0: And we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone! Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Back in 2012, my hubby Rick and I we adopted a plant-based lifestyle, and we lost over 130 pounds. So we just decided to take control of our lives and take control of our health. No more prescription medication. No more issues like migraines, and I won't even tell you all the other things. They're all just melted away, and we're just so happy that we have learned about this lifestyle. And since then, I've been coaching people to achieve their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. So please post your questions to our guest. You can post comments, tell us where you're from. You can even type in, be strong, be well, and be green. Just Task Voice, let's welcome back our guest. Dr. Christina
1: Miller, MD, is double board certified in emergency and integrative medicine. Dr. Miller focuses exclusively on nutrition and lifestyle changes to get to the root cause of disease and illness while promoting wellness and longevity in each individual. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Amy, welcome, Welcome Dr. Christina Miller.
0: Greetings and welcome back, Dr. Miller. Thank you. Hi, it's so good to be here. I'm so glad. For those of you that may not have caught, we've had two other episodes with Dr. Miller. One of them where she spoke about autoimmune disease, which is very, very helpful, and we'll put a link to that. And another one where she specifically talked about the thyroid. So those are really interesting ones that we'll give you links to. So now Dr. Miller is here to talk to us about something that is a really important topic, and that is stress. There are some kind of things about stress that we may not all know about, and we're going to learn from Dr. Miller how we could probably take control of stress and anxiety through certain tricks that she's going to talk to us about. But before then, we are going to ask you to participate in a little true-false quiz. If you like, we're gonna present the questions to you, and then you can just type in true or false in the comments and just take a guess, or you can think it in your head, you don't have to type it in if you don't want to. So let's talk about it on our first true or false question. True or false? Chronic stress increases cytokines, which produce inflammation. Mm, stress increasing, producing inflammation. True or false? You let me know. Type it in. And now we're going to ask Dr. Miller to talk about that.
1: Great question. Hi, everybody. Um, so, so the effects of stress... Well, first of all, let's define stress. What stress is, is it's anything that threatens your homeostasis. So your body is functioning in this nice, happy rhythm. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's got just the right amount of all the levels of nutrients it needs and, and enzymes and proteins. And something throws it off. And anything that throws it off is a stressor on the body and can cause inflammation, can cause um change in our cytokines and our our enzymes that are affecting cellular function. And what there's actually been studies now and what they did is they looked at caregivers and it's known that people taking care of older people, sick people, um, aging people, demented people, that it's extremely stressful for them. Um, so they looked at caregivers and they tested their blood samples and those who reported the most amount of stress had increased levels of inflammatory markers. So um, CRPC reactive protein, there are um, uh, some of the cytokines such as. Um, um, uh, IL-6, IL-1, these are pro-inflammatory markers that we measure in people. Tumor necrosis factor, these were elevated just in those people who reported the most amount of stress. And what we're going to talk about in a little bit is they worked on some mind-body tricks, and they're we are able to lower them through some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in a few minutes.
0: Wow, that's really interesting and really exciting that we have something that we can maybe control and take care of. Okay, let's go with our next question. Stress can alter blood sugar levels, true or false? Okay, Dr. Miller. Well, this is so interesting.
1: Any diabetic out there, especially the insulin dependent diabetic and those wearing the continuous glucose monitors will know that yes, this is actually true. And this is true on purpose. So remember the stress, um, stress is, is, fight or flight so if your body is under attack or assault or thinks it needs to do something to survive it needs to run away or there's a fire or there's an animal attacking or there's a car coming at you your body goes into fight or flight mode. And um, one of the things you need to do is run away. You have to have your muscles have to be activated and primed and you need glucose in your blood. You can't be low blood sugar and go run for your life and get the heck out of there. And so um, part of the stress response includes uh, glucose is actually being made in the liver, it's being made with gluconeogenesis, it's called, and it's being released into the bloodstream. And so your blood sugar will go up on purpose when you're stressed out. And in back years ago, or in a, other animals, when they're stressed out, so, Say you're in Africa and um, you're a zebra, and all of a sudden a lion is chasing you. Well, that zebra is going to run for its life. It needs blood sugar. It's going to run. So it uses up that blood sugar running around, saving its life. Us, if I'm stressed out because I'm worried about my finances or my family or what I'm going to make for dinner. I'm sitting here at a desk. I'm not using up that elevated blood sugar. What I need to do when I'm feeling stressed is go for that run, use up some of that blood sugar, just like other animals do. And then the stress response will come back down and um, I'll have used up that high blood sugar.
0: We're all animals really. That's what we are biologically. And we like to think that things are just controlled by things that we just, a little pill and, and everything is fine. But there's a lot of things going on in our body system that we really should learn about. And I'm glad you're here, Dr. Miller, to talk to us about that. Okay, so here's another true or false question, everybody. Let's see if you can type in your answer. True or false, laughter lowers stress hormones. Hmm. So what do you say, Dr. Miller. I think that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. You actually made me
1: laugh. <laughs> um, I hope I'm making everyone laugh. You guys, we have to laugh more. Laugh, 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 laugh. Even if it's <laughs> not funny, I mean, fake a laugh because it becomes a real laugh over time. So just laugh crack jokes and things that aren't even funny um yes laughter truly lowers the stress response people who are laughing have lower um, uh, inflammatory markers no question about it and there's actually i I have a couple of books and I'm actually working on writing on this chapter right now on laughter as medicine so um, it's just as important as eating our good plant-based diets and we get exercise and we sleep and we laugh for me it's part of my day like I have to th- I think did I laugh and how hard did I laugh those belly laughs that you hurt your stomach and your face starts to hurt because you're laughing so hard oh the benefits of it I can't tell you enough how much and kids laugh kids laugh like over 80 to 100 times a day and some adults will laugh like three four times and during the pandemic we were doing a survey and I was asking some of my patients and people were stressed out and they were saying to me I haven't laughed all day I haven't laughed all day and you know maybe they're at work and they're just doing their thing and and um I it's it gets harder and harder as we get older do we get crankier things don't seem as funny I don't know but bring back that joy and if you are trying to lower your inflammation um, and, or just live a more joyful life, just laugh.
0: We actually had a, a video that we put out because a couple of years ago, I used to have a group that met and we had someone do a presentation called Laughter Yoga, which is a oh, thing, yeah. guys. <laughs> it's a thing and I've done it and it's,
1: it's so much fun. Oh, it's so fun to laugh. And you laugh at nothing and you just stand there and you like laugh together and, and it becomes funnier and funnier. And by the end, you're just,
0: you're hyper laughing at anything. And you feel amazing afterwards. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's a thing. And, and obviously it's it's working for people. So this is so great. This is just all stuff that's in the air and it's free. So right. how, how, why wouldn't you want to try it? Okay. So we have one last true or false question. And that is stress can increase the ability of chemicals to pass the blood brain barrier, true or false. Maybe not everybody is aware about the blood brain barrier, but just give a guess anyway. And Dr. Miller? So this
1: is so interesting. And um, any of us with autoimmune diseases where we feel inflammation, we can tell you that this is true. So I can tell you as a patient that this is totally true. But now I can also tell you as a doctor, as a physician, as a research person, that this is totally true. And a study came out, I believe it was 2017 or 18, maybe 18, three years ago now. But it came out and what they showed is that when people were under stress, and um, in this case, they looked at marital conflict, actually, which I found so interesting for any of us who ever disagree with our spouses. Now I'm like, don't rethinking this. What they did is they found that people undergoing, they put them in a room and they, they gave them a reason to have um, marital conflict, like to just have an argument or a disagreement about something, and so they knew that was happening. Those that experienced more marital conflicts, like some just kind of brushed it off and laughed it off together, and some actually kind of got annoyed with each other and were, you know, talking. Those that had experienced a greater level of conflict actually had what's called LPS, lipopolysaccharide. Um, it's a protein, lipopolysaccharide protein. The gut is really one cell layer thick. The gut lining, the endothelium, and Um, It's held together by tight junctions and the LPS normally can't get across into the bloodstream. But when the gut becomes what we call, quote, leaky or hyperpermeable is the medical term. When it becomes hyperpermeable, those, those tight junctions separate and anything from the gut lumen can now go across into the bloodstream and enters the body. And they found that when those that were under more marital conflict had the LPS that was in the gut lumen was translocating, it was going across the membrane, it was found in the body, and they had increased LPS circulating in the body. LPS is very toxic to the body, it triggers inflammation, it triggers, and now, Another study has shown the same thing that LPS that comes from the gut goes to can cause joint pains directly. So those of us who experience joint pains, I ask you to I ask all my patients actually how much stress you have, what's going on in your life, and what are you doing with it? Even, you know, an argument with our husband. And I can tell that my husband and I, I adore my husband. We get along great, but sometimes we don't. We're just different people. And so When he says something that I think is ridiculous, and I'm like, no way are we gonna do it that way. Now I think, like, okay, like, don't get upset over it. Like, it doesn't really matter. And so I, I'm like, well, maybe we could talk about this. And, you know, I'm trying to laugh and not get serious anymore. And and because I can tell that it makes me feel different, too. And so I ask any of you with joint pains to think about this. Um, But stress in general can cause leaky gut. And that is phenomenal. Actually, another study came out of Harvard in 2020, just this this past year, that showed people with chronic stress disorders um, had Three times more like three times more likely to have a, an immune autoimmune disease than people without them. So they link they're directly link stress disorders with autoimmunity too, which is inflammation related. So um, because I have an autoimmune disease and I deal with a lot of patients with autoimmune and chronic inflammatory states, whether it's cardiovascular disease, asthma, I mean all sorts of things diabetes, we are always talking about what is their stress and what are the
0: tools that they have to deal with it. That is just so phenomenal to to know this because there are so many people that are experiencing leaky gut and they're trying to tweak their diet and and maybe they're not feeling that things are are working for them. And there's just so much more to our body and, and the way that our brain and reacts and works with our body. And it's so nice to know that they're there's a physician like you out there, which I wanted to remind everyone, if you weren't aware, Dr. Miller is a member of a group called Plant-Based Telehealth. So if you ever wanted to have an appointment with her, you could schedule something and talk to her, kind of like what we're doing here, what I'm doing with her, and you would have Mm -hmm. that same kind of an experience. And she has a lot of knowledge about the plant-based lifestyle and about course, she's a medical doctor. So she has a lot of medical knowledge too. But she's a lifestyle medicine doctor. So she can combine the two and trying to tweak your diet if you're having these issues. If you want to briefly tell us that because you had an autoimmune disease, and you did adopt the plant based lifestyle, and you found that there were other things that you needed to do in order to optimize your health. You want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so I was working in the emergency department. I'm an emergency room doctor. And I started having fingers pain and swelling which led progressed to all my fingers to multiple joints to all sorts of symptoms from fatigue and rashes and fevers and everything i was my body was going crazy and i was diagnosed with lupus and um, I continued to work for a year and a half in the ER. But finally, I started Googling, this is 10 years ago. No, but there weren't people like Amy out there coaching us that we should be eating plant-based. So I didn't know this at that point. And I finally did some research myself and came up with plant-based diet and as the best form to, um, get rid of my inflammation, help my autoimmune disease. So I flew out to all these conferences, and I started listening to all the guru doctors out there, you know, Dr. Furman and Dr. McDougall, And um, I read the China study, and I was, you know, listening to person after person, and I reverse people with this, and people get better with this. And so I changed my diet um, to a clean plant whole food plant-based diet and I followed their protocols and I ate what they told me to eat and I didn't really get better enough I still had swelling and inflammation and joint pains and I expected my symptoms to go away and to be healthy and I was like oh I'm so excited I'm following the plant-based diet and everything's gonna be better now and I'm gonna heal and go on to live my life and it'll be beautiful I mean I had already figured it out in my mind as if it had already happened and that didn't happen and I was so disappointed and I would go back to the doctors i spent a lot of money talking to these doctors and asked what am i eating wrong what am i doing wrong and no no let's tweak your diet let's do this let's do that more juices more fasting more i mean i did all these protocols i kept following person after person um i went to true north where you water fast and then this person said eat more raw and then this you know i followed all these protocols and they made sense to me i I researched it and looked at the data and it it made sense i always stayed plant-based i stuck with that i knew that was the answer and I just wasn't getting my results. And that's when I was like, all right, something else is going on in me. And I did a fellowship at that time in integrative medicine um, at University of Arizona with uh, Dr. Andrew Weil. And he talks about more than just food. He does an anti-inflammatory diet. He's not plant-based himself, but I was. He talks about more than that. He does a lot of mind-body work, he calls it. And we had, uh, it was a two-year fellowship and I did, months of it where you know we were doing three months of meditation every day with a, with an instructor with a buddhist monk and we were doing um all sorts of that's where i call the mind body tricks now we did activity activity and many of them were ancient and i had never heard of them and many of them seemed crazy and far-fetched to me but there, you know, the thing with integrated medicine is there's there is some science with it. And the idea is um, there's some science behind it, but not a lot, because who studies it, who pays the money to study it? Um, but it's not harmful. And so, you know, I was trying them all on myself and it was so interesting the effect that it had. It actually I started to notice a difference. And suddenly I realized that my my autoimmune disease wasn't just my food. It wasn't just my food. It was It was my mind and I definitely live with anxiety and those of you with a chronic illness know once we get this diagnosis it sits on our shoulders and it's always there with us and so it it haunted me and I was trying to be this healthy happy-go-lucky mountain girl working in the emergency room and I was suddenly the sick patient that was scared and had joint pains and felt fatigue and didn't want to be social and it just changed everything about me and so working on my mind body I was able to to make to get the results and I finally have gotten to where I wanted to be but it took some effort and so now when I work with my patients we work on the diet um, to put them on a healing anti-inflammatory plan and we work on their minds to um, get them where they need to be to actually let their bodies heal. It
0: is just so amazing because I'm really glad that you're bringing your story and sharing it with us because, and we talked about this in the green room before the broadcast, it's sometimes I feel sad for people who are in pain and they have these certain diseases that they're dealing with and they have awful symptoms and they're running the gamut trying to find something to heal and the medications aren't working and they're just know that things are going to just keep getting getting decline and then maybe they stumble upon this lifestyle and they adopt it and they just aren't seeing the results that they really wish that they could see and they think oh I guess this lifestyle this diet doesn't do what I thought it would do. And then they give up and then just go back to their old ways instead of knowing that th- there is more to it than just diet, especially for people who are in having this chronic inflammation and pain.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just diet. Although diet is important. It's probably mm-hmm. the number one thing that I do work on with people. Um, if the diet isn't right, we'll, we won't we will get there. But it's way more than that now. And so part of when I see people, their plan has to do with it. And what I've noticed is everyone is different. So um, not everyone is going to is going to warm up to the same modality and how to relax that stress or how to get themselves into a healing mindset, as I like to call it. And so, there's that's why we have all these different tricks that um, people can learn and and figure out what works for
0: them and make sure that they do whatever. Awesome. Well, I think that you should just share those tricks with us because we're all on the edge of our seats, saying, "Okay." Tell us what we need to do. And I and I love the fact that a lot of the people here may not have adopted a plant-based lifestyle because they may be just tuning in because of stress. And it's going to help them too. And we hope that maybe they'll think about adopting this lifestyle. As you said, it's not just one or the other. They both kind of have to work together. Why don't you just get started and tell us about your Jedi mind tricks?
1: Yeah, I call my mind body Jedi tricks. And so Um, these are the tricks that we have control over. And how I first started really delving into this was I noticed so many of my patients would come see me. This is when I had a brick and mortar office and I was doing lifestyle medicine in Aspen, Colorado, and people were coming to see me and their blood pressure would be high. And they would say, Oh, I have white coat syndrome. And I started thinking about that white coat syndrome being they go to see a doctor and their blood pressure goes up. Why? Because they're stressed out because they're with a doctor. And I started thinking, gosh, if you're stressed, can your thoughts of being worried about seeing a doctor can cause your blood pressure to go up. Then maybe your thoughts of thinking you're on vacation in a tropical paradise can make your thoughts go, make your blood pressure go down. And I am not a genius and I'm not the first one who thought of this. So um, a doctor from Harvard actually wrote um, Dr. Herbert, I believe Herbert um, wrote this book in the 1970s called called the relaxation response. In this book, he was a Harvard um, doctor and he he took his patients I believe he was a cardiologist but he took his patients and he had them sit there and think relaxing thoughts and he had them do a breathing trick with them and a, like a meditation where they focused on one thing they focused on just one thing so it was, I guess it's a meditation and they did that and he was able to prove that their blood pressure lowered and so right there came my answer if if something you know that as objective as a blood pressure which is a is a marker of our health right so many of us struggle with high blood pressure and if that is controlled by our thoughts holy cow what else can we control by our thoughts and actually we can control a lot so so let's start with um the very first thing which is um meditation and that's kind of what um dr dr herbert was using but um the meditation is is a form of sitting quietly and thinking about just one thing they say thinking about nothing so you can focus on your breath you can sit quietly and focus on breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out. Um, that can be hard for people. People have monkey mind, and we're thinking about everything and we can't really sit still. And so people who struggle with the sit still, I have them focus on a word, maybe one, breathe in one, breathe out one, breathe in one, or breathe, count to 10, breathe in one, breathe out two, breathe in three, breathe out four. If you start daydreaming, go back to one and go back, count those numbers. Um, you can focus on an object. I have a tree right in front of me. I'd love to sit and just stare at the tree. and think nothing but that tree. Not judge it, not not criticize it, not think how beautiful this tree is, no judgment at all, I just stare at it and just stare at that tree. And and so that will help me get the monkey mind out of my mind and I just focus on that tree. Um, you can also do a guided meditation where, where you listen to a tape or, you know, there's many apps now like um, uh, Headspace Um, is one calm is another but there's many apps now and you listen to these and they walk you through and they put you if you just follow their words so you're just focusing on their words you're not focusing on the stressors and everything you've got to do in the day you're just focusing on these words they're telling you and they're taking you to a nice pasture land where the sun is shining and the flowers are blooming and you start to feel like you're really there and what you're what the interesting thing is your body doesn't know the difference whether you're really there or you're or you're just um, imagining it, um, visualizing it. And so it takes you into that state and you can get into a meditation. And I have a lot of people start with something like that. And over time they can move to either a word or focus on an object. And then over time they can just meditate where you just sit quietly. It's really just quiet time, um, but it isn't quiet time because you're not letting your monkey mind focus so much. Um, we were talking ahead of time um, and there is no such thing as doing it wrong Um, so you just kind of do it and if you feel like you have too much of a monkey mind that's bugging you you know try focusing on a word or an object Um, but there's no such thing as doing it wrong and it is called a practice because it takes some time to get used to just sitting quietly and we're trying to keep an empty mind but remember it's our minds job is to think and so And so your mind is going to think. That's what it does. It's like telling your heart to stop beating. And so, but the goal is to keep out all the noise for a little bit and just have that quiet time in your mind. And so there's these tricks such as focusing on an object or, you know, some people put a candle there or some prayer beads there or something like that and focus on that or some flowers um, or focus on water if you have that nearby. But just focusing on the one object will help. Get anything out. So, meditating every day has been shown to lower stress hormones. What I love about it is, um, if you meditate every day in the morning, let's say you do fifteen minutes daily, um, in, and later on you have a stressful day, and normally you would get hyperactive or you or you, hyperreactive, where you just you get upset fast, or you fight with your family, or your kids are driving you crazy, or whatever stressor happens in the day. People who meditate have been shown to Um, not react as much to stay calmer all day long. So even though it may seem like I got to spend 15 minutes every morning, this is so tedious, I got a million things to do. That time in the morning pays dividends throughout the day. The more you do it, the more it um, keeps you calm. And there's online classes I took. I mean, I trained for it and took months of classes um, practicing my meditating and learning tricks and things to become a better meditator. But um, it it really keeps you calmer. So um, if people find they have white coat hypertension or they feel anxious during the day or they're hyper reactive or you react really quickly and get upset so fast you don't mean to, it just happens. Well Meditating is your answer to that because it it calms you down. You can start with as little as one minute a day. So don't let time be your excuse. And then I would say prioritize it. Try to work to five minutes and then try to work to 10. And then ideally you'll do 15 or 20 minutes at a time. And you can do it once or twice a day. 20 minutes twice a day is the optimal, but most of us can't do that. So find what you can do, what you will do. Um, and the last thing I say about meditation, if you're starting a meditating practice is commit 100%. there's no 99% commitment, Um, it's not enough. So if you say, I'll do it six days a week, um, well, you're gonna stop right there, you're already saying you're gonna fall off. But if you do it 100% every day, you have to do your meditation, you will. You'll stick to it a lot easier than if you allow yourself in a single day to fall off. And so um, I stick to mine 100%. Some days it's a minute, 15 to 20 minutes. But you know, on that crazy busy day, it's a minute. And sometimes it's a little bit later because I had to get up and run off to something. Um, but then I'll sit down and do a few minutes later on, just that time where I sit quietly and have my own little area. Um, so those are my tips on meditation, just to keep it. Get a practice and get it started. It's one. Tra- it's one important tip that's been clinically proven to lower um, stress markers. But another important one. Um, so then, just to jump into some of the other ones, mindfulness is um, being present in the moment in a non-judgmental and curious way. And I love that. It's from Dr. Kabat-Zinn. And um, he started started the whole mindfulness movement, brought it from Eastern medicine over to Western medicine, Western world. And um, it is it is, so instead of like, again, the tree, instead of being like, oh, such a beautiful tree, or, oh, that tree, it's dying on the edge there and it's losing some branches. And instead of judging it, it's just, oh, there's a tree. Oh, I'm curious. It's a tree. That's interesting. Look at that tree. There's a difference in how we are. And so to be mindful um, means to be in the moment without judgment. Don't judge yourself. You're not a bad person because your disease hasn't reversed. You're not a good person because it did, right? There's no judgment. You don't love seeing hearing me talk right now. You don't hate seeing me talking now. I just am. I'm just here. It just is. And so that's that's a non judgmental. When you take that mindfulness where you appreciate the smells and the sounds and the feelings around you, you're just very all your senses, all five senses, right? What you what you see, what you hear, what you taste, all your senses are hyper alert and aware of the moment and you're not judging it, it just is. And you're curious like a little kid, like, huh, isn't that interesting, right? is what I, I always say that. And it just makes you feel so much lighter. So I say take mindful breaks, go outside, like people used to take smoking breaks, hopefully we're not doing that anymore, but go outside and take a mindful break and just be like, huh, look at feel the air, look at the sky, look at the trees, huh, okay, know, just have that moment that has been shown being mindful has been shown to lower inflammatory markers and improve autoimmune diseases, um, specifically rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. Those are the ones that I've seen, but yes, autoimmune diseases in general. And so it's even been shown to help doctors feel happier in their career if they're mindful practicing mindfulness. Um, Anyway, it's a powerful tool. So that's something I, I recommend. And there's courses you can take on it if you want to practice it. Like, you can become experts. You can take some of the um, Dr. John kabat classes, and they're phenomenal and actually trained in that. Um, so that's
0: another one. Some of wow. mine... Yeah, that's just so amazing, you know, as you were talking about meditation and mindfulness, I just kept thinking about how we're just these primitive animals walking around in clothes. Of course, long ago, we were just primitive animals walking around with no clothes. And we didn't have the computer, we didn't have the phone, we didn't have all these things going on. And although there's probably a lot of work to be done just to survive, there probably was just time where people just kind of sat. Yeah. And just kind of stared out into space. So we're kind of like, what's that thing flying up there? That's right. curious. So it's almost like we're we're designed to kind of sit down and kind of stare into space and, and not think about anything. And of course verbalization wasn't always with our kind of animal, right? We didn't always talk. So We couldn't really always have thoughts because we didn't verbalize anything. Maybe our primitive brain knows that and knows that sometimes you just have to shut off all those thoughts because originally our brain wasn't designed to be overwhelmed with all these thoughts because we didn't verbalize.
1: That's so interesting, Amy, that you bring that up. I love that. It's absolutely true. And yeah. You know, I I urge people, if you're in the grocery store and you're in line or you're waiting at a dentist's office, instead of pulling out your phone immediately to catch up with some, just sit quietly, just close your eyes and breathe for a minute. Just sit there and have some gratitude that you get to go to the dentist and make sure that you don't have toothaches and, you know, that your teeth are okay as you age. And you get to do these things and you get to buy food at your grocery store. So just stand there with some gratitude and some quiet time and, and. Don't pull out your phone every single second. And it's funny, now we even have reminders on our phone or computers to take mindful breaks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just turn it off for a little bit. Like, I know you're. such a good point yep um so the next one i just brought it up and it is powerful and it's probably my current favorite one but it's gratitude um gratitude has been shown when people are showing gratitude that they can't have anxiety thoughts at the same time they actually use up the same part of our brain um and so if you're feeling really anxious oh my gosh, I'm so worried, Uh, you know, I have this chronic illness or I have this deadline or the kids, this, or the caregiver, the finances or whatever. I mean, it's been a very stressful couple of years for all of us, myself included. Well, turn to gratitude right then, especially right in that moment when you're so stressed out. Think, what am I grateful for right now? Well, I'm grateful I have a roof over my, my head. I'm grateful I'm not running for my life right now from a wild animal or in one of these third world countries where, you know, or I'm grateful I have you know, whatever, whatever you're grateful for, find something, even that terrible moment, find something you can think to be grateful for. Um, I'm grateful for my health, even though I have health issues. I'm, I have other parts of my body that are working awesome. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for my plant based diet that is keeping me as healthy as it can, you know, doing what it can do for me. And so, so I find gratitude in these things. But gratitude really does, it stops that spiral of anxiety and our minds are powerful tools and a lot of you will know this, um, that we will just go over and over and rehash the same negative thing over and over and over and over and we won't let it go. We'll stop that cycle right there, stop it right then and there and just bring out some gratitude. Um, I recommend people do five things every day that they're grateful for at the end of the day, write it down as a journal. Um, it's better if you can write what you're grateful for and why that makes it even more powerful. And it's better if you can write it down. If you can't write it down, at least say them to yourself. My husband and I sometimes go over it with each other. You know, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? And and it's sometimes interesting for me to hear what he's grateful for in a day. And so and then I try to come up with something creative to get, tell him that I'm grateful for. It. And so it kind of became a fun game for us. But um, I recommend doing it every night. Um every morning, if you want to, and um, do it during the day when you feel stressed. Just, you know, go out in that moment. My mindful breaks are now gratitude, a moment or two of gratitude. and it really turns things around quickly. So um,
0: I recommend taking that, especially if you're someone who feels a lot of anxiety. Wow, that is such a good trick. And I didn't know that you couldn't do the two things at the same time. So and I think keeping that journal is a great idea because, sometimes you really might face something in life that you don't want to think about the things that you're grateful for, because right now things are not good and you're very stubborn. And maybe you can just go to that journal and say, well, let me read these things because obviously there are still things in my life that are good. So maybe that's a really good, <laughs> good thing to go. Turn to I know. A like while. yourself,
1: you actually are, That's yeah, true. It's not all bad. Like um, I have a patient of mine who's so creative and she, write, wrote what she's grateful for and puts it on her fridge. And so, and she has kids. And so they, and they did it too. And so whenever any of them are having a bad day or complaining about something, they just look at the fridge and they're like, oh, well, actually things aren't that bad for us. And so I think that's so creative. I love that idea. Like, you know, post it, tell the world, like share, how lucky are we really? Is it, you know, your problem? We do have real problems and they are real, but, but we have so many good things too. And, And it's interesting. Our bodies are they hone in on the bad and that's a protective mechanism so that we we try to prevent these bad things from happening. So we could have the most amazing day and one thing goes bad and all of a sudden our whole day is ruined and we go to bed in a bad mood that we had the worst day ever. But all these good things happened in the day, but we don't remember them. We're not focusing on the beautiful things that happened. We're focusing on that one really bad thing that just happened. That's why I want us to be, be, be objective. Okay, yes, this one bad thing happened today. Boom, there it is. But look, all these 10 good things happened. Today and so overall, it's more of a good day. And then there was this one challenge. I call it challenges now instead of bad things. This one challenging thing happened today. And so, um, perspective. We want to keep perspective that
0: there is good too, and not let ourselves hone in on just the bad. It's um, nice that your patient shares that with her children because this is something children don't learn about nutrition in school, except whatever they learn in the cafeteria, and that's not a good lesson, typically. And they don't learn about how to relieve stress and anxiety. So these are great things that we could share with young people that we know. Mhm exactly these are life
1: tools and sometimes the kids now are teaching us right as they and actually kids teach us a lot kids kids know how to be mindful and be in the moment and not be thinking about everything kids kids know how to play and they know how to laugh and we got to go back and 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 be more we don't want to be childish but we want to be childlike in some ways right we want to go back to some of those feelings that we had and actually that's one of my tools is when people are Um, really stressed out. And I have some really anxious people that I see. And one of the tools we work on is remembering a time when we were a little kid, and when things were good, where we weren't stressed, where used to you know, your friends would come knock on the door before we had all our cell phones and everything and say, can you come out and play? And you would go outside and you would laugh and you would play and you just ran and were carefree. You didn't feel so judged. And so all this responsibility and pressure on you and, and you just went out and played on the swing set or played by the river or whatever things you did as a kid. And I say, go back to those feelings. Remember what it felt like the night before christmas or your birthday or a holiday or something or a vacation or something that you did that was special to you as a kid those feelings is what we as adults sometimes lose we don't feel that feeling anymore that anticipation right the feeling of anticipation is so wonderful and and or that feeling of just pure joy and so tap into that your inner kid um that's the trick and you bring out those feelings again and so sometimes pe- people have like pictures of themselves when they were little and they they're bringing that back out to life. And those feelings is what um, will lower our stress hormones and actually help us to feel better. So um, that's another powerful tool. And then some of my favorite, I love yoga. I never did yoga at all. I never had time for it. I was more a cardio person. I like to ride my bike or run or hike, but I started to do yoga because I saw the studies that people with arthritis, with joint pains after just eight weeks, doing it twice a week, they reported 50% less joint pains. And so i started doing it um just like they asked you know eight weeks um, and i definitely noticed an improvement no question. I also noticed, though, I'm a calmer person. I noticed that it's helping my, um, because in yoga, you have to focus. So it's helping my focus, right? You have to focus on your pose. They're telling you to focus on your breathing. And I can't think about everything else because I'm not very good at these poses. So I have to get into these poses and I have to hold them and I'm getting stronger and I'm feeling my core getting stronger and I'm focused on that. And it's a it can be a powerful tool. So I say it can be, it's if you like it. So try to find a yoga class that you enjoy. I found an instructor here, where, near where I live, who I love, and now she does it online. So I've been following it through the pandemic and everything. But um, but find something that you like, and if you if you can if you can find yourself enjoying this, then I strongly recommend a yoga practice. You can also do tai chi, you can do qigong. Like all of these are going to have a similar type of effect to focus you and help your mind. Let go of all these other thoughts and really get a focus and it's not for everyone So some of my patients are like no way Um, if it's not for you, then that's okay Because there's so many I have a list here of 40 different things that um, and that's actually I got to edit it I can definitely get it over 50 now um, of different things that um, we can do to relieve our stress so yoga is a powerful one that I happen to like, but I just brought
0: that up. Yeah, I think yoga is a, a wonderful thing. And I think people need to explore if they didn't think that they liked yoga, because there's so many different types of yoga, maybe that they just didn't find the type that was for them. And also, if you look into yoga, you'll find that a lot of the poses, they got them from watching animals in nature, downward dog, upward dog, mm-hmm. and they have all these things named after animals. And if anybody had a household pet, it, you You'll see the cat or the dog or even maybe other furry animals do certain kinds of stretches. So I think it's just a real natural thing that we need to do. And we probably, when we didn't have chairs and couches and we had to squat and if we wanted to sit, I think that we tended to do a lot more kinds of stretches. So I encourage, I enjoy the yoga myself. And I really encourage all of you to, if you haven't found a yoga that you like, you might find a different type and so look into that
1: there's even laughter yoga
0: as you pointed out so who wouldn't like
1: that one Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yes uh so find one i agree look into that um some of the other things um that i like to share are breathing tricks so um one of the breathing tricks that i learned my integrative medicine fellowship is a four seven eight breath technique and that is you breathe in for the count of four you hold for the count of seven and you breathe out for the count of eight, and you're purposely breathing in. You're breathing out twice as long as you're breathing in, which is not normally. Normally, we breathe out really quick and short, and we take little breaths in, little breaths out. We breathe in these little breaths, but you can breathe in, hold, and breathe out for a long breath. And what that does, that long exhale and that slow, um, that slow breath, has been shown to um, increase our vagus nerve stimulation because when you're breathing out, you're Your diaphragm stimulates the vagus nerve and which is parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and repair and restore. And that's what we need to be in. To be in a healing mode, we wanna be in parasympathetic, not sympathetic. So sympathetic is fight and flight, go, go, go. I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Your body is not in heal mode. Your immune system is actually suppressed when you're in um, overdrive like this. So if we go through our life, boom, 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 and not taking times to breathe, to meditate, to do yoga, to slow down, to have gratitude, attitude, we will stay in sympathetic, it will never heal. Even if we're eating all the plants in the world, our body needs to be in rest and repair mode in order to heal itself. And so um, taking these slow, deep breaths and um, really will stimulate the, the vagus nerve. And actually for people with rheumatoid arthritis, they've done studies and they've shown that vagus nerve stimulation actually improves the rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. And they were doing vagus implants, where they're implanting a nerve a nerve device um a stimulator into their vagus nerve and that did help them and i thought well we don't have to implant it we can tap into that just with taking slow deep breaths. And so um, the 478 looks like you breathe in for four.
0: Well, can you just guide us? And, and, yeah, and let I, just... I want to encourage everybody that's watching or listening. Let's just do a nice breath with mm-hmm. Dr. Miller and she's going to guide us through that. So we yeah. can just really experience it because sometimes we don't take that time out. And so I'm forcing all of you to take that time out and do it. Yeah, know <laughs> this is, a, this is a, one of my favorites. So, okay.
1: um, so everyone just breathe up, breathe all your, take a little breath and then breathe it all out and then breathe in. In 2, three, four, and hold Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now out Two, three, four, five, six, seven. And again, in two, three, four, hold Two, three, four, five, six, seven, And out Two, three, four, five
0: six, seven, eight. So that's two wow. rounds. I feel different. It's amazing. Just that short amount of time that we spent following you. Yeah,
1: it's, it's it's really powerful. And and that was two rounds. What I recommend is four of them in a row. And to make sure you're sitting if you do it, because you do breathe off all your carbon dioxide so you can get a little bit lightheaded initially when you're first doing it. Um, so if you feel a little bit of lightheadedness, that's normal at the beginning. But um, you do four rounds and that takes one minute. It takes a minute. And so what we just did was like 30 seconds um, or actually even a little bit less. And so it doesn't take very long. And so when you feel yourself hyperactive or just the noise, the the craziness, everything happening around us, we just take those breaths um, and it slows us down. It stimulates the vagus nerve. It puts you into rest and repair. And if you do that throughout the day, um, you will be more in a healing phase than if you don't do that, if you don't take the time to slow down. Um, so that's the four seven eight breath. And I like that one; it's really powerful. You can also do the five and five breath. So breathe in for the count of five and out for the count of five. And I like to think of it like a roller coaster, um, just or like a sine wave, you're just going real easy in for five and out for five in for five and out for five. And if you do that six times, that's one minute. So either one of those breath techniques are powerful tools and um, will help put you back into rest and repair and restore mode, which is what we want to be in throughout the day. We're supposed to be in balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic. But I have patients come in who have short shallow breaths they can't even take a big breath anymore because they've been so anxious and so we all want to take time to take those big breaths work on it slow down um so and even as an emergency room doctor when i'm in the er i take as i'm washing my hands in between patients so it resets me and now i'm ready i can think clear i have i'm back in the in a happy mode and parasympathetic before I go see the next patient. And then maybe they're sick and I'm anxious and I, I deal with everything and I go back. I think every patient deserves me being in a nice parasympathetic where I think clear. I have, you know, I'm, I'm focused mindset before I go in and see them. So, um, so whatever you, wherever you are in your life, I urge you to take on breath work as part of your mind body tricks. Uh, another one that's powerful is journaling. So, um, journaling is powerful, especially if you have a lot of monkey mind. And so if you find yourself always just overthinking things and ruminating on it, ruminate it onto paper. What happens when you put on paper? Somehow it looks different. Somehow it's different than just going over and over and over in your mind. And I have found myself when I was really anxious with my health and things weren't going well, I would just start journaling about it. I'm so upset. This sucks. And I don't know what's wrong with me. And how come I'm the only one not getting better? I'm doing everything right. And they promised me I'd be better. And I'm not and blah, 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 complain, 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 page after page. And all of a sudden, I just was writing. And I was like, wow, I'm really negative, aren't I? And I was like, this is terrible. I was like, whoa. And I all of a sudden, I felt the wave of this negativity coming out of me. And so then I was like, drew a line. I was like, but I'm so grateful that I'm right here where I am and that I have a brain on my shoulders and I'm going to figure out how to get myself better and that I have people, my friends supporting me and my family who love me. And I'm so lucky. And I changed it into a gratitude thing. And then I started and as I was going through gratitude, of why I'm so lucky after all the how negative I was, then I started to come up with solutions. OK, well. You know, I'm going to keep on with my green smoothies and I'm going to now look into, you know, this, this and this. And I came up with. And so somehow putting it on paper made it seem more real. And then I was able to like look at it like, whoa, um, I don't want to be that person. That's not who I am. I'm not a negative person. And so um so I urge you to journal. You can do it first thing in the morning and they call it morning words where you write down whatever, wake up, and write three pages every morning and you get all the kind of junk out of you. It's like they said, and then you're you're like clear, you're more creative person, you're more yourself, um, whatever thoughts, worries, anxieties, they come out on paper so you don't have to express them during the day. Or you can write at the end of the day or any time during the day. You know, I'd like to write at the end of the day a little bit of kind of what happened and all the good things that happened and the challenges that occurred. But I try not to focus on the challenges. I focus on, I talk about all the good things or just what happened, maybe in a non-judgmental way, just this is how it is and tell my story a little bit each night. So whatever works for you, um, journaling can be a tool. But you can get cute little journals or make your own and put you know, decorate it or make it your own, whatever whatever you like and then you, you write your journal. And then a couple of other tools, so exercise is a powerful stress reducer if you like to hike, <clears throat> excuse me, if you like to ride your bike, get outdoors, you know, whatever you like to do for exercise, Um, creativity, I love that one, right? Sometimes we're too busy for creative or we're too in a bad mood or stressed out for it. But, um, if you like to paint or write or play music, even if you're not good at it, it doesn't matter. Like use your creativity, major stress reduction, especially if you're doing it for fun, um, not for work. Um, a new one that I've looked into recently and is, um, dance and now I call it dance therapy. So play a song and I do this so I'm not just making this up you guys for anyone listening I play a song every day and I pick a fun song it's often from the 80s but not always I use I use Beyonce and modern stuff as well but play a song and just go crazy. No one else is in the room. You know, I close the blinds. Nobody, my neighbors can't see me. And I am just dancing my heart out. And I used to love to dance like to Madonna or whatever when I was a kid. And then I stopped doing it. You know, I don't dance anymore. Why would I dance, I'm an adult. And now I dance again and but but one song is usually about three minutes-ish, plus or minus, and that right there has been shown actually to lower your stress hormones and lower inflammation, and so, and I sure feel better. I feel like that kid again. I feel carefree, like, it doesn't matter that, <clears throat> you know, whatever stressors in my life right now, I'm dancing. All that matters is this song and the music moving through my body and the dance, and I feel it. I come alive as a person. Uh, maybe it's because it's a practice of mindfulness and I'm present in the moment in a non-judgmental way. Um, and I just I feel alive again and it's it's actually been really helpful. So um, so those are the like creativity and and dancing. like be creative. you know, if you like the ice skate, go ice skate. If you like to um, you know, be in theater with things that you'd like to do, if you like um, whatever type of artistic thing or or dancing or whatever it is, just make sure that you you have you make time and you do it because it is important.
0: I rediscovered hula hooping when I was <laughs> when I was a child I could never hula hoop. And so I decided that I wanted to try it again and I found out that the reason why I couldn't hula hoop was because I had a toy hula hoop and the bigger the hoop the easier it is to hoop because you don't have to work is hard because it just kind of goes around. So, and there are some people that have really giant hula hoops and you're basically just standing there. And then the hoop is just kind of going around you (laughs) with minimal effort. And that's something that I love to do to music. And I even have a video on how to make your own hula hoop. And then, and, I, then I have a, an instructor that shows how to hoo hoo. You have to concentrate on it at first until you figure out the trick, and then it's not very much movement at all that you need to do. I encourage people to, to try that because that's something you could do in the home. You don't have to go out if you can, if the weather's bad, and it's just something that you can do, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my yeah.
1: gosh. What a bonus that we just learned tricks on hula hooping. <laughs> i will have to watch one of your videos
0: on that. That's awesome. That might be my next thing I pick up, Amy. Thank you. Yeah, because it's kind of like dancing in a way. Because that's it's not just, you're not just standing there and hooping. As you progress, you actually learn how to take it off your body and put it over your oh, head and do all uh, kinds of things with it. So it's almost a dancing with yourself kind of thing. I, I, love have, that. I love that. I love that. Oh, my gosh. That is great. Oh, that, I'll have to look into that.
1: Um, a few more things before we run out of time. I just want to say one thing about counseling or getting help. So sometimes people are so anxious and stressed, and it really helps to talk to someone, um, someone who's not necessarily a friend or a family member who's non-judgmental to you and may give you some insight to it. So don't ever hesitate if you need help or um, if you definitely are having a hard time. Some of these little tricks that I'm sharing are not doing it for you. Then I, I, I urge people to seek help and not be afraid of it. Um and it, it can be really helpful for people and like even life-changing. So um keep that in mind. Okay, a few more I promise of mind body, body tricks. So um one is really interesting, it's called eye movement desensitization, and I have found something as simple as looking up at the ceiling makes me feel better and so um and i was reading about some of this and and um there's a lot more science to it than what i'm saying right now i'm definitely simplified to nothing but but something little tricks like just looking up and down sometimes especially if you're on the screen all day long just taking a minute to um, look up and then reset yourself down can help you. And the same thing like focusing on outdoors for a minute and and getting away from your screen can be helpful. Um, And along those same lines, stretching throughout the day. So if you sit at a computer, like you're sitting hunched over, stretch, move back. We call it Y-T-I. So you do those positions, you do Y-T-I. YTI and do it a couple times during the day. So reverse some of this forward hunching and I'm sitting right now, but I also, I'll stand, I'll sit, I'll move, I'll move around just so that we're not in one place because it is a stressor on your body to be hunched over, to be tight, to um, things like that. So look up, look outside, stretch your body. So, um, that is a, that, that will help, um, to, to calm you sometimes when you're really caught up and you get so tightly wound up. Um, then I have some of the other ones. Um, spiritual practices, of course. So if anyone who's religious, um, tapping, have you guys heard of tapping? So, um, you tap, there's certain pressure points where you tap on, um, right below the eye, right above the eye, um, your chin and you tap on these certain pressure points. And it's been shown that, and there's a whole science and there's books about this, um, and, um, but you, you do this tapping therapy and it actually has been shown to calm down, um, stressors. And so you, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you have to read the books to read the science. I'm not an expert on it. Uh, but I have delved in it and, and played around with it. And I have some patients who have actually gotten, quite into it. Um, So tapping therapy, um, it's an old science and um, but it's hitting these pressure points that actually calm you down. And um, so I urge you to look into that. Sex actually can be a stress reducer. So if you find yourself stressed out, and also the intimacy, you know, if you if you're lucky to have someone that you're intimate with, um, and then to have sex with. So especially if you can enjoy and it's someone that you care about and that you love. So um, that's a good thing. Another big one is nature get outside in nature. And I say that to all my patients, what's your outdoor time? Just getting outdoors is, um, counts and time in nature is bonus. So if you can be near trees or river, you know, mountains or trails, bonus points for that, but get outdoors, look at the sky, feel the fresh air, get, get away from the indoorness. Sometimes the stress is just being inside. And so get away, get outside, um, That's a big one. Our rhythm, so your body is rhythmic. So um, getting on a rhythm really helps us. So eating breakfast, lunch, dinner around the same time, going to bed around the same time, getting up around the same time, just having a little rhythm is gonna help your body fall into it instead of being a stressor. Different times eating, different times sleeping, that's stress on our body. So the more you can make things easier for your body, um, it'll get into a little more of a rhythm. Pets, pets are huge de-stressor, so, and it's been shown that people who have dogs do better after having heart attacks, um, have less reoccurrence of heart attacks, and um, have less depression, so, uh, that was just a study done on dogs, but other pets probably too. So um, if you, if you don't have a pet, you know, I'm sure your neighbors or people in the neighborhood do or, but find an animal you can go to always go to a shelter and walk a, do- a, pet, a dog or another animal. So um, pets are a big one as well. I also want to talk about music. Music is a huge de-stressor and it's actually been shown that people who have surgery afterwards report less pain, need less pain medicine and go home sooner after orthopedic surgery, if they listened to music in their um, earphones, and when they asked what kind of music, it didn't matter, it was whatever they liked, so definitely, like, classical music has been shown to be beneficial, but whatever they liked, they were getting these results, listening, listen. if you have to go to the hospital, if you get surgery, if you need anything, listen to music, clinically supported by evidence that it works, and um, I find myself, I don't listen to a lot of um, music anymore in the car I listen to more talk radio or podcasts and um or books on tape and I just every now and then I'm like nope music and I do I sing I listen to it I just come alive again so music therapy bring that back you know if you're not using it bring back music again and and um forget about your problems and just listen to the songs so yeah
0: we together as a family I have, well, I have battery operated candles because I'm an irresponsible real candle person and they're on timers. But anyway, we light the candles and we also have nice dinner music in the background. Mm-hmm. Just at dinner times, you really need to just kind of relax before you start eating because we just used to shoveling.
1: So, <laughs> really, yeah.
0: yeah, so if you don't have time during the day for music, you can certainly do it during dinner time.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great trick. I'll add that to my list here. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else do I have here? Um, passion. I wrote something that whatever you're passionate about, and that can be, you know, any cause that you have or volunteer work that you do or, um, things that you are very passionate about are going to help you not feel stressed because you're focused on that. Then everything else going on around you and building up that sense of passion will help you get a sense of purpose, which is going to help you feel more alive, which is going to help, you know, sometimes our, sense of worry and anxiety and hence our increased inflammation comes from our loss of sense of purpose if we don't feel well and we're not doing as many things. So so if you can, um, you know, if you can volunteer, if you can um, contribute in some way or do something that you're passionate about, that
0: is important, actually. And I urge you to to do that again. Very good advice, especially for people who may have retired. That's something that they should probably consider because it's a big life change. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then I'll just finish up with a few last ones. So um, tea, um, tea ceremonies are very helpful. So drinking an herbal tea or just drinking hot water um, with, with lemon in it, or I do hot water with cinnamon sometimes or hibiscus or a little cherry or something like that. Um, I do hot water with fruit in it sometimes at the bottom so you get that flavor. But um, but tea ceremonies have been shown because Just the the act of even just pouring the tea and then letting it steep and having the warm glass and then sipping it, especially if you can do it in a mindful moment where you have a moment to ah, just be and then sip your tea, that type of thing. So um, that can be a great stress reducer. Um, hot showers and hot baths so if you enjoy soaking in a bath and and that can be a powerful stress reducer you can use those epsom salts and the relaxing salts in in the and listen to music and um, but also a hot shower if you don't enjoy the hot bath so a hot shower can also calm your immune system down if you allow it to if you take that moment to just be mindful and um, let the water just kind of rinse over you and feel the cleansing of it and um, it can help calm you down. Lots of apps out there these days. One of my new favorite ones is one called Unwind by Dr. Judd Brewer. He's a psychiatrist, and um, it helps you when you're in your head. He gives you tools to how to get out of your head, to how to kind of calm down, to break the moment. He does um, different things like. Body scanning when you're going to bed, so you think about relaxing your toes, relaxing your feet, relaxing your ankles, relaxing your legs, all the way up your body, um, and he walks you through it for like ten minutes, so it helps calm you down, and then it shuts off, so you can go to sleep. Um, so things like that, but he gives you all sorts of tools, and he has you reminds you throughout the day little reminders to unwind. And, whether you do a breathing trick or you do a meditation trick or a mindfulness, but to help you over time. Um, remember, these are practices. And it's over time that you really start to notice a difference. And you will. I do. I'm a, such an anxiety provoking person. And I have noticed differences. And, and so I urge people to pick up some of these and, and do some. But Unwind is one of my favorites. Headspace is a very well-known one that you can try. It's a good app. Calm is another app that you can just get on your phone. Heart math is another one. And I really like that one for people who want more scientific proof of it. It looks at it can actually measure through your breathing, um, your your heart rate variability in, in your if, if it matches up with your breaths, and it can look at um, how much sympathetic versus parasympathetic you are. So if you're living in a sympathetic world, you're going to have very short heart rate variability, very low. And we can see that in people. And so we work on we work on tricks with them to help people increase their gratitude and their breathing and things like this and we see increased um or de- yeah increased heart rate vulnerability where they now have more parasympathetic causing more beat to beat discrepancy, which is good. You want that beat to beat discrepancy, um, which means you have more vagus nerve involvement. And so we see improvements there. And so some people want scientific evidence, like I'm not stressed out. And then we hook them up to the monitor. And sure enough, they are very sympathetic. They just live at a baseline. They don't even realize it anymore. And so we work on this and people have noticed real differences. That's been great. So that's a tool and you can look at it. Um, You can get an app right on your own phone. Um, So those are some of my favorite apps. You
0: have such an enormous toolbox. And I think that for some people, they might have heard one or two of those things that resonated with them, or maybe one or two of those things that they said, oh, no, that's not for me. And you gave us so many suggestions That there has to be something that somebody out there has been thinking about and saying, hmm, maybe that one would work. And we can vary and try the different things. And I love how you said that it is a practice because I have found that many things in my life when I'm trying to do meditation especially because I think I'm the monkey brain too <laughs> I just try to keep my thoughts from wandering but I think over time it does work and it, it basically you're just saying we're not taking enough time out for ourselves. there's no way that your body was designed to be on all the time and sometimes you just kind of have to find a way to make it shut down and maybe then that will help with some healing. there's a lot of people out there I think that those that are watching or listening, if you are experiencing any inflammation, any pain from these things that Dr. Miller was talking about, these are things that could, as an adjunct to a healthy lifestyle, could really make a difference. And it's so nice to know that you are a plant-based telehealth doctor and you could cater these things. Is that right? If I mean, if, if a patient comes to you and they had certain <laughs> symptoms and they didn't know what to do and this isn't working, and you could help them. You want to talk about that? I would love to. Yeah,
1: thank you. So um, we get patients at Plant-Based Health Health and when they come see me, I send them a comprehensive intake form and they fill that out for me, everything about them. I want to know everything about them. And then I look at it ahead of time before I visit and we go over it together. And so we tease out what's going on. We will check labs. So if they're plant-based already, we can check nutrition labs. Are they getting enough iodine or omega-3s, um, B vitamins? And so, um, and there's some abnormalities even in plant-based eaters, or if they're not, you know, and if they come in with inflammation or this or that. So I can check labs and and I can order medications or prescriptions if people do need it. Hopefully we're working on getting people off it a little bit more, but um, which is what I love to do, help people decrease their medications. But, but sometimes, you know, people need A little bit, and so it can help with that too. And so we do regular medicine, and um, I also um, I love doing stuff with inflammation and helping get those inflammatory markers down and resolving that inflammation. Those chronic diseases like heart disease and autoimmune diseases and diabetes and weight loss and asthma. Like I love helping people with that because
0: I see a difference. We see a difference, and and it's great. So, and what I love about the plant based. telemedicine is that you don't have to buy a membership and pay every month or whatever. It, you could just come to see a doctor. Well, there's other doctors and I've interviewed almost all of them. I have one more coming up pretty soon, but there's other doctors as well that you can go to plantbasedtelehealth.com. You can just say one visit and that could be it, right? Dr. Mm-hmm. Miller, you were telling me about yeah. that that sometimes yeah, what, what happens with your patients, yeah. yeah so um people come see me we were talking about this and and
1: we'll see them one time couple times you know for a little while and then they people get better and so then I don't see them anymore and I'm like what happened to them they don't call me anymore and I'll send them a message hey just check me in how are you doing and they're like oh great so I don't see them anymore but um, it's up to each person's individual some people I see regularly monthly some people I see every six months or just as needed you know I've seen them twice in a year or whatever and some people I've seen once, So it's totally what people need if they you know, maybe they want to just double check their labs are okay, or that their nutrition, or if there's one thing bothering them, um, we can help them with that. And it's been so fun because we get to see so many people now, and people eating plants. We're getting a better and better sense of things and understanding of it, and so it's very cool um, to be able to use regular medicine with diet and really put it together
0: and, and lifestyle and mind body tricks into a real plan that gets results because that's what we're looking for. What a pleasure! be versus some of the doctors that have doctor burnout because they're just trying to keep their patients from getting worse and maybe just maintaining things or trying to just alleviate symptoms. And you get patients and then you don't see them anymore because, and when you check up on them, it's because they're doing all right. That's the kind of patient that I would yeah. to do if I had I know it's
1: it's a great problem to have right so people are getting better and then we don't see them anymore but it's wonderful it's been the best job I've had a couple different jobs I worked in the ER for many many years and and then which I loved actually and then I had my own practice and
0: and this has been so much fun so I'm lucky well I really wanted to thank you Dr. Miller but we have a comment that. I think it's just going to be the biggest thank you that I could think of. And I want to show this comment from Debbie. Debbie said, "I appreciate Amy all of your gifts, but I have to say, every time Dr. Miller is on, I am so inculcated by her amazing knowledge. She is so thorough and gives tools to make a difference. Thank you Dr. Miller." And to you, Amy, I appreciate your dedication to spreading the health messages. Blessings to you both, Debbie. Blessings to you. And that was a better thank you that I could come up off the cuff for Dr. Miller being here. So I'm so glad. And she and Dr. Miller was here a couple of other times. She talked about autoimmune disease. She talked about thyroid. And I'm gonna post links to that. Thank you, Dr. Miller.
1: You're welcome. And thank you, Debbie, for that kind comment. And it is my pleasure. I love to share this with people. Because I went through a lot of pain and agony. And this really helped me and it does it continues to help me like every single day. So um, I hope this is helpful for everyone. And it's been a joy to be here with you again, Amy, and all the listeners. Thank
0: you. Well, thanks again, Dr. Miller for spending time with us. I'm I'm going to ask you to come back because you have other tools in your toolbox that can help us. You're gonna be surprised guys because there's so much healing going on if you just know what to do. And I wanted to tell everybody, please stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanna thank someone in the background, which is Rebecca from PKA Sols, and she's been posting comments and doing the camera angles, and she's just been, so hi Rebecca, she's been so helpful. I got to meditate and do my breathing and not have to worry about clicking on things while I was doing the interview. also want to thank Jess from Just Has Voice. She did the countdown, she did the promos. Most of all, I want to thank all of you. You're here listening or watching, sharing, liking, subscribing. We need to get the word out because people like Dr. Miller have very good information to help heal the world. And when you tell people about this broadcast or broadcast like this, you're putting the word out and making that ripple. So I'm really glad that all of you are here. And I'm going to be siding off with Dr. Miller in a moment. But before that, just has voice. Let's find out who is coming up next.
1: Dr. Nikki Davis answers
0: your questions about constipation. Join us
1: on Friday, October 15th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy
0: Live. Oh, That was Dr. Kinshure. So until I see all of you again, please type in the comments and join with me when I sign off with Dr. Miller. Remember, be strong, be well, and be green (laughs) bye-bye everyone